0: Woman, what does this matter between you and me? That's a really harsh rebuke of Jesus. In the Gospel of St. John, the writer at points portrays Jesus so clearly as divine. And the things he does throughout the Gospel, again, are only things that a God could do. And so Jesus here even turns water into wine. Yet the Gospel of John, the writer also wants us to wants us to know he goes to great lengths to show us just how human Jesus is. And this week in this encounter, we, we see Jesus in, in a conversation we've all been a part of, on, on, maybe even on both sides of the ledger here. But it's a conversation between an adult child and a parent about what their relationship is going to be. And this is a relationship throughout our our whole lives that will need to be recalibrated and recalibrated. Mary says to Jesus, there's a problem. You need to do something about it. And Jesus, like a good son, says, Mom, why are you bothering me? (laughs) And she says, do what he tells you to do. And then like a good son, honoring the commandment, what does Jesus do? What his mother wanted him to do. But again, we see this tension going on. And this tension is something that, when you're young and a child, a child thinks they know what's best, right? A child at one point, at some point, will stomp their feet and declare emphatically to the parents that they don't need a nap. And as soon as a child does that, the parent just cringes. And the parent is not cringing because the child is making a bold-faced lie. The parent is cringing because the parent knows if it got to the point where the child is saying they don't need a nap, that means that the, the window that this child will fall asleep has passed and now the whole day is shot, right? So, so again, when a child, a child thinks they know best what their life is about, but the parent, the parent actually knows best. The parent knows the child better than the child. But that's not always the case, especially as children get older. And as as children get older, there's these sort of, again, these constant negotiations and recalibrations about everything from what courses to take, what activities to do, who to date, where to go to college, what do you want to do after high school, who will you sort of enter into a serious relationship, who will you become engaged with, who will you marry, all of these things. And parents, again, and children have to redefine the, the relationship, recalibrate again and again and again. And we see Jesus here recalibrating with his mom. Now, on the one hand, I could simply look at this story as an interaction between the Lord and the disciple. For when Jesus says to to Mary, you you don't understand what my life is about. This isn't just any son. This is the living son of God in the flesh. And, of course, no human fully gets Jesus' mission but for Jesus. And so again, we could focus here on on Jesus just as Lord and Mary as such a good disciple. For for Mary persists like in persistence prayers and and her persistence eventually moves God into action. That would be, there's a sermon in there. Likewise, there's a sermon in, in Mary sort of preaching to the people to to obey Jesus. She's exhorting them to obey Jesus, through which Jesus then does this miracle. So again, there could be a beautiful sermon on Jesus as Lord and Mary as disciple, but I want to stay within this relationship of mother and child for Mary and Jesus, because I think that really defines Mary's relationship to Jesus, the rest of the Gospels. Again, as children grow up, children start to do stuff, and parents don't really understand fully what the child is doing. And this happens between Mary and Jesus. As Jesus grows older and he gets further in ministry, he begins to do stuff that that concerns Mary. He begins to cast out demons, and he begins to stand up to religious authorities, and people are starting to talk about arresting him. Even wanting to stone him, and, and Mary is, is embarrassed. Mary at one point wants to rein him in. Come home, Jesus. You're going to get yourself killed. You're going to bring shame to all of us, but that's precisely, that's precisely what Jesus does. Jesus will not stop doing the will of his heavenly father, and ultimately that leads to his, his arrest, his betrayal, his crucifixion. And by and large, the disciples, when it comes to the cross, they all run away. Disciple after disciple just peels away. They're, they're too worried about getting arrested themselves, getting hurt themselves. But who was there at the foot of the cross? Mary is there. Mary is there, and there's no indication given that she's doing so as a disciple. Noah's all address later. She's, she's there as a mother. She's there as a mother because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much parents don't understand children. It doesn't matter how much parents get frustrated by, don't appreciate the decisions that children make. At the end of the day, parents will always love their children. Again, at the end of the day, parents will always love their children. How much we do not understand And so Mary here is faithful to her son to the end. Now for some of you, you may have had an experience in your life where you haven't had that relationship with your parents. I think for the vast majority of us, we have had one if not both parents, and we've been secure in that love. But I know that for for some of you, your relationship with your parents is is missing. And it's, it's hard. And, and I hope that you have found comfort in seeing God put other people in your life. And I hope, furthermore, that you've discovered a profound comfort as, as God invites us to call him, in the words of Jesus, our Heavenly Father, to know that indeed you do have a father. This is what the writer of Amazing Grace, he would have a broken relationship, his mother would die young, but he would ultimately discover a true parent in his Lord and his Savior. Indeed, Jesus invites us in prayer. He teaches us, in fact, not only in how he addresses God, but, but he invites us to, to call on God as a parent, to pray our father, or even more literally, our dad. And when I was a kid, I found comfort in this, uh, this name for God. And I, and I sort of had this sense as a child then that the God provided for me, like a parent. I could trust God. I could go to God. In fact, every night I prayed, our Father in heaven, right? This was my childhood prayer. Keep me in your your loving care. And as I got older, though, I began to realize the power in this name for God, of calling God a parent, because as as we get older, we think we are wiser than we are. And we need to remember that it is "Ah, your will, Lord, your kingdom come. And there's such a, a humility brought upon by praying to God as a parent, as an adult. And, and to recognize indeed that, that, that we are called vulnerably to go before God, to remember that we are uh, simply a, a clay pot and, and so mortal, and so we, we are called then to pray for daily bread and for forgiveness our whole life long. So there's something powerful about claiming God, about, about God as, as a parent for us. But as I've even gotten older, I, I've thought about that there's another, there's another dimension to this, where when God invites us to call on God as Father, to, to claim God as our heavenly parent, this isn't just making a claim about our relationship to God, but it's making a claim about God's relationship to us, Okay, how God understands us. When each one of you was born, when when every single one of you was born, at that moment a vulnerability came into being. In fact, for for many of you, that that vulnerability that came into being was was found out as soon as as your parents realized they were pregnant, as soon as they saw anything on the ultrasound, as soon as they, they felt anything. That, that vulnerability came into the world. Because to, to be a, a parent, to, to be a grandparent, to, again, an aunt and uncle, and we embrace a new child into the family, we, we recognize now not something there's another mouth to feed, but there's a, another human in this world whose, whose joys, whose griefs, whose shame, whose pain is now ours. To, to have a child is to know to feel in our bones that what happens to that child bad happens to us emotionally. When God claims, when God invites us to call on God as a parent, God is letting us know. God is letting us know that when we came into being, God had a vulnerability, a new chink in the armor. For as we have stumbled, as we have sinned, as we have been hurt, God has endured that and felt that as a parent feels for their child. And then we think, then, about what this must then be like for God. And, you know, a year ago, the, the war in, in Ukraine, the Russian invasion took place. And you think about what it must be like, then, for God and, and the sort of the, the wound that has been opened up for God. As these people, Russians and Ukrainians, who, who pray ostensibly in the same language every Sunday in the Orthodox churches, our Father, to, see, to just to see the bodies pile up, And what this must do to God, who claims them as his children, to know their stories, to know the hairs on their heads, to know the, yes, the embrace of them. I want to return to the cross, though. Jesus' mother is at the cross. And again, Jesus will call her woman. But this time, when he calls her a woman, it's, it's not in a rebuke, but it's in an act of mercy. And, and he says to her, he says, Behold your son. And he's not talking about himself anymore. There's another disciple that has been loyal and is there at the cross. And, and Jesus says to his mom, I want you to take care of him. And then he says, and then he looks at the son, he looks at his, his disciple, and he says to that one, he says, behold your mother. And Jesus is saying there, Mary, I could not be the son you wanted me to be. Mom, I couldn't do it the way you thought I needed to, but I loved you until the end. Jesus on the cross is taking care as a son of his mother. But there's something else that's going on here. And you see, Jesus, the the Lord Almighty isn't simply an earthly parent who lives forever in a different place. Because that would be torture, that would, be, that would mean that God at all times could only observe us hurting each other. And that would be the story of the Old Testament in many ways. But, but you see, out of great love for his children, which is you and me, God chooses to become one of us in Jesus Christ. God chooses to become Savior. And so what this means is, is that Jesus can say to Mary then, I can't be the son you wanted me to be but I will be the savior that you need. Again, Jesus says to his mother, I can't be the son you wanted me to be, but I am the savior that you and the world need. For Jesus has come not simply to transform water into wine, but hearts of stone into the mercy seats, to transform forgiveness out of sin and to transform death into resurrection and so, hear the good news. For God so loved his children, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen.